Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Joining me this evening we have John Anderson. Hello John. Good evening Cammy. good evening. And for the second week in a row, after a, a, a reasonable hiatus, we've got Rory Baldwin. Hello Rory. Hi guys, how are you? Um, so we've got a packed pod tonight. We've got a uh, historic win, Scotland win against Wales to talk about. We've got um, a little bit more on the update on um, Siobhan Catigan, some, some breaking news that happened as we were recording the last podcast. Um, we've got um, high tackle consultations happening from the SRU. It's all, it's all going on. And then we get to laugh at Welsh rugby for a little bit as well. So, so there's always that as well. Um if you are watching live at the moment, you will be watching us on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. You can also listen to an audio version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere you can get podcasts. I'm, I'm not up to date on the um, I'm not up to date on all the podcast apps there are these days. There's yep. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I think seem to be the mess. We've got a message from Harley Worthy, who's who's a, who's a regular listener um, and watcher of the live pod, who just says, uh, "On behalf of your Welsh <laughs> listeners, please be gentle. It's been a hard week." Um, I'll try. Yes, we'll we'll see how that goes, Harley. Um, on behalf of Scottish, over on behalf of Scottish rugby fans who've had to put up with uh, Welsh rugby fans' crap for the best part of a decade and a half, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, so. Um, We've got the podcast tonight, then we've, we, we, we'll dive later on into our Patreon uh, special version of the podcast where we'll we'll talk a little bit more probably about the Wales game and some other things as well. Um, first things first, and again, you know, we don't want to be here, we don't want to be talking about this, we want to spend a whole podcast talking about the Wales game. However, um, as we were recording the podcast last week, um, it was myself, Johnny, and then we had Nick's on, and then Rory joined us for a little bit as well, we were talking about... The a couple of things was the SRU's continued failure to properly respond to Siobhan Catigan's death. Um, and on top of that, we also had the tell us email inbox that the SRU had launched for people to report um, sexism, misogyny, racism, homophobia in, in rugby. Now, John, um, uh, I wasn't at the game at the weekend, but um, Johnny and Craig were. Um, they're not with us tonight, but they were. And yep. they... they um, Report quite furiously from the game that Siobhan Kagan's photo had been put up at halftime while everybody yes. was at the bar. The yes. stadium was half empty with a couple of other, I think, kind of female uh, rugby players who'd, who'd passed away. <laughs> it's, it's beggar's belief that the SI just continued to carry on getting this utterly wrong. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's staggering, isn't it? And we, we've obviously joked in the past about the SRU's ineptitude and, and like tone deaf uh, way that they, they, they seem to approach most conversations in a very very kind of corporate tone deaf way. This this is a really easy one to get right now. Given all the wrong they've done, they could they could fix this. They could fix this, and they continue to. It's almost like. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that classic thing of apologising, but you don't really mean it, and that's how it comes across. It's kind of those small token things that they're trying to do, and obviously you're going to talk about the, the 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 note from 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 the family, the statement from the family, and the sort of things that have come out of that as well. It's it, it's staggering. Like 
how how can a <laughs> how can, can a professional you know a professional corporate entity behave in this way? It's just it just it does it beggars belief. Yeah, it is it is staggering, really. And like I said, the um the statement that came up from the family as we were recording the podcast, I think it was Johnny who said it's probably just as well that neither of us noticed it was up there. And, and I got a message from Nick's afterwards saying she was really pleased she didn't read it at the time because I think we we may have been apoplectic, but we've, we've had a week to kind of reflect on it. And I think that there's a couple of main points that the family raised. One is that the, you know, the SRU, this is the meeting that the SRU finally had with with the family and their, their local MSP that had been cancelled. We should, should just reiterate, it has been cancelled twice at short notice by the SRU, including once with the excuse of we're organising the Six Nations, which demonstrably they are not. Um, Mark Dodson is not involved, does not hold tackle bags as far as we know. Um, they have stated that the SA have stated to the family that should that, that should they further on a Siobhan, they'd have to do it for the same for everybody else. Which no I think it's that the as the family said, there's no other international player has died on the SIU's watch. Most of the other former players who've passed away, it's been after the it's 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 been in retirement, right? It's been much later in life, or like Doddy you know with 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 more neuron disease similarly as the family have also pointed out that the the tribute that, that the team did play was on a match that was streamed on i think on youtube on overseas match on youtube and the stream only started when the game kicked off so there was no kind of wider tribute it was just a uh you know a laying of a pitch a laying of a shirt on the pitch which even then yeah, but- there's you know there, there were i think the team were unhappy with how it goes so I think it, it, the SOU come across as very exasperated by all this, as opposed to trying to understand and get ahead of things. And and every single step, they just seem to kind of dig themselves deeper into the hole. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you ask Mark Dodson if he wanted to hold tackle bags, if it got him out of kind of confronting this issue, you probably would. Um, I mean, the thing that was interesting about the, the halftime at the Wales game is that was actually... Um, like a, a tribute to the players from Scotland's um, women's team that played Ireland in 1993, which was the, the kind of first um, women's rugby international and um, that Scotland played in, I think. Um, so, you know, the, it was kind of a celebration, but it was kind of, it's like, let's lump all the all the women's stuff that we want to deal with in. We'll parcel it up at halftime and we'll put it out. But, I mean, the... The article I saw about it, because uh, one of the one of the women was from from Inverness originally, in the local paper, you know, that came out on like the Friday. Um, there was very little warning that even that was happening. So you know, th- those the ladies didn't get much of a tribute because nobody knew what was going on, why they were on the pitch, who they were, because the you know it wasn't announced clearly in the enough on the PA. Um, by by the accounts of the, you know the people that were that were there, and it just it, it, again. Um, Siobhan is kind of seen, seeming like an afterthought and with that um, and it, it, it's like it. Uh, yeah as you say they, they sort of dig, dig themselves into bigger holes but it it kind of doesn't doesn't go away um, and the, the problem now is that is how do you it's almost like anything they do to deal with it is not going to seem right because of they've waited so much time so sticking a photo up when there's a tribute on to some some other things that's not going to seem like enough when you know letting the letting the um even if they'd you know announced it sort of properly and clearly and, and let the women play the 
even like the the woman from the from the team on on Saturday there pay tribute. Um, I don't know if you know whether any of them would have wanted to take that on or not, but that you know that if they had that would have been quite a nice gesture, I think. But yeah, it's just the fact that the more the longer they go on not dealing with it, the bigger their response kind of has to be. But the the less likely they are to want to to do that because I guess to them it'll seem like an admission or whatever, and they've got all the the kind of talk of of legal actions and stuff that they're they're trying to almost uses uses uh, as kind of cover for not really dealing with it but i think most kind of fans obviously it's, it's never going to satisfy the, the family because of what they've gone through but most of the fans who are, are interested you, you know they want a chance to pay tribute properly um which is obviously what their kind of eight min- eighth minute ovation stuff's been about and um you know if they give them that i'm not saying it's going to take the heat off the sru but it, you know it will it will a bit the thing, the thing is, as well, though, they've the admitted themselves. So, sorry, Cammy, they've admitted themselves by no, saying, but... you know, by by almost addressing and saying, "We think we've done enough." In that letter, all they're doing now is, as you rightly say, no, nothing is enough now, and it's like all they're doing is it's 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 attack, 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 and it they're basically saying anything we do now, we're being forced to do. Because we think we've done enough, and it's 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 you guys that are the problem. It's your fault, and it, that's a horrible mentality to be in. Yeah, and I think the, the difficulty with it is that now what they're saying is the fact. Well, what do you want us to do? And 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 that again, it, it feels very half-hearted. It's like, well, we've 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 had enough of putting up with this. Just tell us what you want, and and hopefully it'll go away. And the family have been very clear what they want. What they want is an independent inquiry into what's happened from genuinely somebody independent of the SRU coming in and looking what's happened, and to pay a genuine tribute to Siobhan. The family have been very clear about that from the start. So it's it must feel very insulting for the SRU to come and say, well, you tell us what to do when they they've been very clear all along what they're after and that's that's the only way i can see the siu now getting ahead of it is 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 they would have to offer a genuine apology for getting it wrong so far to explain the reason why they've done that accept responsibility for the fact that that's on them and for them to offer a tribute as a result and to make that public that that we you know we we've we've got it wrong this is the first time we, and you know, and this is this is genuinely one of the first times the SRU will have had to deal with something of this magnitude. So it would be fine for them to say we we've got it wrong, we didn't get this right, we didn't, we we we're committed to a full independent review of what's happened. We're going to bring people in from outside. We're going to involve the family. We're going to publish all the findings, and we're now going to pay, and we and we will pay proper tribute to to Siobhan ahead of the island match by. You know, laying a sh- um, having the family present the match ball, having the players wearing, wearing an armband, some just you know something that that's the only way they can get ahead of it. But to continue to kind of mess around around the edges in the hope that it'll eventually go away, it just it, that's it's not going to go away, is it, John? Because the next thing we're all waiting for is what we're going to. The next question is, well, what's the outcome of the internal inquiry? And then the question is, well, now we want that. You know, then that needs to be independently reviewed, and what's going to happen as a result of that? It's it's not going away unless they do something big. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It, it, I mean, even if they do something big, it's not going away. The 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 scenario, the way it's transpired, the way it's played out, the way it's had to play out because of that veil of secrecy from the SRU and the 
you know, the 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 the, the Times article, the 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 message from the family. As soon as that hit the public sphere, this was never going away, and this should should never go away. This is, you know, there should be lessons learned in, in like in like you know they should be always learning from this now, and they have to have this at the forefront of what they're doing at all times. And uh, yeah, and and from just from a media management perspective, it's been. You know, this is the sort of thing, like, no, no joking, this is the sort of thing they'll teach in business school in future about media management and getting ahead of stories and stuff like that. It's been an absolute catalogue of errors. Uh, just minus base humanity. Uh, and it's, it's little wonder that fans are so angry about this. Like, people are angry, and that's why it's not going away. Yeah. And then on top of this, Rory, there's the, you know, we, we talked last week about the TELUS um, campaign that the SRU launched. And, and and as I said at the time, I think that it's it's clearly something that's been worked on behind the scenes that's been rolled out or rushed out to try and deal with some of the kind of the wider stories about misogyny and sexist behavior in Scottish rugby at club level. And we've now got the SRU on the back page of the, you know, the Scottish Daily Mail with a whistleblowing charity saying that it's not it's not good enough because it's not an anonymous it's not a way to safely re- anonymously report things that have happened that the you know, it's Heather Dewar who, who who hopefully we're going to get on a future podcast but the, the the players that she's spoken to the women she's spoken to involved in Scottish rugby said well, we're not going to use it because it's not anonymous and, and Scottish rugby is such a small world that it's very clear that if you whistleblow or report something who you are. And it's no good, the SIU saying, well, nobody's told us. And they've got women saying, but we have told you. We've told you through the channels and nobody's done anything. So it does, all of this kind of swirling around does lead to big questions around attitude towards women and women's rugby and Scottish rugby. And and they're not going to go away, Rory. This is, you know, this this shouldn't be back page news during the six, you know, one of Scotland's best opening Six Nations. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, it's exactly. It's the it's the it's the last thing that Scottish rugby needs at the time when on the, the pitch the men's team are, are doing well. But um, you know, that's it's it's not something that can be that can be buried or ignored. Um, I think that yeah, there's there's obviously a kind of big issue, especially with the stuff we saw around um, uh, Liberton ladies, and you know they're. Is a it's kind of if if they if they doubt that the culture, the prevailing kind of rugby culture in Scotland or in clubs, is going to take them seriously, then why would they why would they report anonymously or otherwise? And if it's not anonymous, then certainly not, because they're going to know that eventually it, it comes comes back. It's like um, yeah, it's like a sort of I'm not saying it's a corrupt system, but it's like the systems of corruption in the you know in the Cold War spy movies. You tell someone, but eventually somebody who's who is in the wrong place in your train of trust is gonna you know it's gonna leak and then you'll end up in the gulag um and i think for the you know yeah it it needs to be something again almost perhaps independent um that uh you know in terms of who's handling the the kind of responses so that they can be dealt with safely and anonymously 
I think the interesting thing for me, uh, John, as well, was I, we, I was reading up about the celebration of the women's first international side that was set up in 1993. So, well, 30 years? God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> the first women's international in 1993, which in itself is a utter disgrace. It took 1993 to we the first Scottish international. Well, However, yes. I hadn't really appreciated that the women at the time had formed a separate union. It was the Scottish Women's Rugby Union, which I think had affiliations with the SIU. It was its own kind of separate identity. But that they merged in 2009. And when we've talked on the... Certainly we were doing kind of... The, we were looking at the kind of Scotland's hardest players in the past, you and I, John, we've kind of said, well, it's strange that Scottish women did really well throughout the 90s, and they kind of did all right through the two, early 2000s. We were saying on the... I remember us talking about Donna Kennedy, for yeah. example, saying... It was really weird how things fell away from like 2010 onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I wrote, I wrote that time. <laughs> and, then, and then I was reading today going, oh, that's why they got brought under the umbrella with the SIU and the SIU has run women's rugby into the ground until they've been forced to do something from just because of the sheer determination of women in Scottish rugby to make things happen. But that's, you know, that that's the thing. That is as much as the SIU now will say, we're doing great things now. Fine, what they're doing now is absolutely fine. Uh, it's 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 as good as the IRFU and, and WRU are doing, but that neglect up to that point has completely been on everybody's watch. Who's in charge now? Yeah, and it, it, and you're absolutely right. It's it's they've almost they're now at a position where they're they're doing things to almost get back to where they were in terms of you know the the the, the women's game and. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting read. If, if people listening uh, haven't actually read into the sort of history of the Scottish women's game, it's a very interesting read. And again, it's it's, it's stories that are told across. Like Scotland's not unique in this sense. Let's let's be honest. The, the, these stories are told across across women's rugby across the world, with very few exceptions. The difference is the reaction to that swell of. Women are playing rugby. We need women's teams. We need the interesting thing. I mean, one of the interesting things, of course, Roy, is that I mean, even looking wider, that I think the first women's rugby world cup in the it was 1991, the women who organized it had to mortgage their own houses to make that work, really. Whereas, you know, that it's it's beggar's belief that that would ever happen in men's rugby. Although I I can't remember, Budge Pountney once was once billed for the cost of a tie. I think that he gave to a child in the stand by the SRU. I think so yeah, yeah. But it's still just I don't know. It it just feels. I mean, watching the thistles in the last few games, and the anyone wants, this is the um, I get I get development side is probably the right way to put it. Um, it's the side that the SRU have put together in lieu of a pro side to play against the uh, an Irish and a Welsh equivalent. And so it's the players who are, there are some Prem 15 players who are playing, um, some university players. It's, it's a good mix. So those that yeah. aren't currently being selected by the Prem 15s team are being be made available. It's a way to warm up for the upcoming Six Nations. But I've watched the last few games and the highlights of them, and, and, and I watched the highlights of the, the most recent one. And for me, the standard, certainly in defence, has gone up massively, right? I don't know. It's just, it, it's just the. I mean, 
effort's the wrong word, but I think we've talked on the podcast previously about the women. The women's team kind of felt like they were a little bit kind of tw- that pre pre Vern caught a Scotland of we'll score some nice tries now and again, but our defence is is just a little bit lacking. But for the the games I've watched more, the last couple of games with the Thistles, the defence is much more organised. It's much faster. There's much more desire to get back up the floor. Get everyone seems to know their role, and I don't think that wasn't always the case with the national the national side. Admittedly, because they they just don't have the same prep time and the same investment as the men's team, so it's not a, necessarily a criticism of them. But I that certainly that last game against the WIU, the defence for me, Rory was was very good and it's encouraging to see kind of that's the next step I think that that women's rugby needs to take at a professional level in Scotland yeah I think um it is it's just it's going to be the same as with with kind of all developing players it's time spent in a group with uh, consistency of coaching and I mean that's something we've kind of seen with the under 20s and the the women's teams is a kind of quite a regular shuffling of of the coaching group um, you know, if they can get some some consistency, I think that that helps them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was uh, what, watching the highlights. You know, they they scored some nice tries. The this the standard seems quite quite even as well. I thought. Um, obviously, the the thistles kind of uh, came away on the scoreboard, but I think the if if the you know if the the three teams in that kind of mini competition are are, are of a level, then that's that's probably going to be more instructive than sometimes in the six nations when you've seen them, you know, on the end when in previous years, anyway, when we've seen them on the end of, uh, of kind of big scores, um, which I, hopefully, you know, it's not going to be such an issue now that the, you know, we're seeing these, these new moves towards professionalism and having uh, centrally contracted players. And um, there was the appointment this week of uh, Martin Hag as the, the forwards coach as well. He's former England uh under 20s head coach you know and they've uh they're obviously pretty good at, at developing the millions and millions of players that they have um so hopefully he'll have a, a positive impact as, as well on that yeah and i think just you know uh, things are going to hand now and moves are coming off and the, and there really were some some absolutely lovely tries i can see jo- john anderson's um he's he's, he's in he's in our lobby oh he's back hello john <laughs> I'm just saying, Try, like, trying here. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how we get on, John. Um, yeah. But there is, um, it feels like the 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 thistles have taken a step up, and that, as Rory said, the time together has paid dividends. One in defence, but also in attack. You know, balls going to hand. Yeah. It's coming out the base of the ruck much quicker. Everyone seems to know what their role is in the team, and. When you when when eventually we'll add into that the Ronald Lloyds and the you know I think Rachel Malcolm's played a couple of games through this when you add in the players that aren't there to that then yeah it goes to show that if the if it, how how good Scottish women's rugby could be if 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 that investment had come much sooner there's I think I think it was the end to end try for me that showed yeah. everything that this team are all about the maturity the the lines the the support play all these things that as you say with time and investment become second nature to players you didn't see the panic you didn't see the 
you know, I've broken the line, so oh, oh, I'm just going to take contact. There was a real quality about what they did in that try in particular. I thought the attacking play was magnificent, so so good. That mall where they've taken Wales like literally miles back and and, and smashed them. Brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it just shows even just the small amount of investment that's taken place so far is starting to have an impact, starting to make a difference. In a shocking turn of events, who would have guessed yeah. it? Who knew? And then the RFU <laughs> today have announced the RFU today have announced full uh, pre and postnatal care for its women rugby players. So yep. basically, they're going to pay them a salary and look after them and and pay for their medical care. And now we're waiting for the SR, you know, over to USRU because what what a fantastic step to take, Rory, in women's sport to say. And we've seen a lot of you know women athletes talking about this, saying it shouldn't have to be the case that they wait until their career's over, which has been the tradition yeah. because it's always been seen that, you know, that we've, we've certainly, I think, in, in British cycling, for example, and, and other elite sports where coaches have been exposed for holding views like, oh, you're just going to go and get pregnant or you, and, and, and unfair views that, well, the moment you've got kids, you, your performance is going to drop. So to see that step from the RFU to kind of commit to say, look, if, if, if you go and have a child, it won't affect your career at all, which it, it should absolutely, it sounds daft, daft talking about this, but that absolutely should be unarguably the case. But it hasn't always been in sports, so that that has to be the next step for the for the SRU, Rory, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, you know, they've they've started, um, I guess they've, they've kind of only just established them as employees uh, or contracted players, um, so it'll it'll maybe take them a while. I mean, when did England announce the tackle tackle thing a couple of weeks ago and they announced the, the maternity cover today? So a couple of weeks will give the SRU to do it. <laughs> Just the, the SRU to do it. between, what the between France and Ireland, I, I'm i sure there'll be a press release. Um, <laughs> what the RFU are doing. Yeah, just, just yeah. two weeks behind. But yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, you know... Two weeks, the, 10 years. With, yeah. with the pro game, we're about 10 years behind. So, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we'll, you know... That that would represent considerable progress. Um, it's in, yeah. I, I did want just just while we're on that because you mentioned the tackle law there, and, and and we will we will come back. We're going to keep coming back to the women's game throughout the the Six Nations. Um, but on, on that tackle height thing, the the SRU tweet about it, John almost threw some quite serious shade at the RFU because they were, basically they're consult they're properly consulting on it and being yeah. very public about the fact we're consulting on the tackle law height rather than what the RFU did was said. Right, you are all tackling below the waist. Get on with it, and then everyone through through fit. J- JB from the Egg Chasers podcast quit rugby and took up netball overnight. And uh, and maybe that was the intention all along. Maybe that's what they were playing for. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, no, I, you're absolutely right. Like it is funny when you still get those those moments where media teams and you know the, the the person on the twitter feed goes a wee bit rogue and maybe just puts in a wee a wee nod to say yes we are consulting we are asking asking our people which is what you didn't do but let's be honest you know one getting it right one time doesn't necessarily you know mean the SRU are are, are good at consulting with people 
can we you know that i think that's that's fair to say we've we've established that we've established that elsewhere that just because the so you're consulting on something doesn't always mean that they end up in the right place as they as as we've seen with, <laughs> yeah. with uh, transgender players in in Correct. yes um Rory, though, I mean, the, the, this tackle around the waist thing, I think it was Josh Gardner on from the Blood and Mud podcast on Twitter made a really good point that when we say waist, we don't mean where we wear our trousers, we mean where our grandfathers wore their trousers. And I think there's been a yeah. lot missed in that, that the, the waist, where we now see the waist in 2023, or even where, where I saw my waist in the 90s, God, that was, that was somewhere below my arse. <laughs> it's not... Um, it's not where the, traditionally the waist is somewhere in between your belly button and your nipple. Yeah, so every, everyone that, think of Cary Grant before you make a tackle. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's not then you know that that's that's even for someone that's tall hitting someone that's small. That's still achievable, and we saw it a little bit in the Wales game, I guess, at the the weekend. That aside from the George Turner one, which I think everyone would agree, you know, George Turner threw his hands up straight away. He knew what happened, but I don't. There was a couple of. I mean, there was the Jack Dempsey moment of madness, but gen- generally the tackles were all fine. There wasn't, the, apart from the one high hit and the Jack Dempsey incident, the tackles were all going below armpit level at the very least. It can be done, and it's not yeah. a bad idea to do it if the long term impact, if the long term gain is to save the game as we know it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Scotland are doing that already. The, um, as you say, there there haven't been too many tackles like in previous years every time a big hit went in we thought oh no we're not going to get another yeah. player yellow carded are we and there's i mean aside from the turning one which was instant and obvious and you thought okay well um there haven't been too many of the those the, the six six nations they do seem to be almost kind of tackling lower whether that mean whether there's something in the technique that means it kind of lays the the ball carrier down for someone to to get over it and jackal or whether you know they're just trying to be trying to be safe it it doesn't seem to have done us any harm so far shall we that then that brings us nicely on to the wheels game so um i've just just want a, a trigger warning because i know we do have um listeners in wales um we're not going to be gracious in defeat we've <laughs> we've put up with your crap for far too long so <laughs> Especially this, you, Dan. But this figure. is not now. What I will say, I'll be very clear. I I love all our Welsh listeners. Hello to Harley Worthy, who's who's watching live. Hello to Phil Lewis, who's one of our lovely patrons and and a friend of the podcast. But look, we're going to have some fun now. Please take everything we say with a pinch of salt. But I'm not going to. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to say now. Let we're gonna we're going to talk about the Scotland Wales game from the point of view of being Scotland fans, and we're going to enjoy doing it. That's that's the trigger warning. If you want to switch <laughs> off, we understand. On that though, and on the tackling, what struck me, John, is really interesting watching the game back and even watching it live was where Scotland gave away their penalties and where they were competing for the ball and trying to hold up the tackler, for example, and where they were picking their moments going for the jackal it was so smart and it's not something we've seen from Scotland before. The penalties were all, I think they gave away one kickable penalty the whole game. Yeah. It's almost was like... a stretch. I think it was a stretch. I mean, there, I, yeah. there was the one where Wales, Wales went to the corner, I think once yep. with a penalty and there was one that bigger tried to kick and he missed, but that was from quite near halfway. Yeah. Yeah. It was about a 40 meter 
40 meter kick right yeah in front of the post you would expect bigger to make that but you're absolutely right it's almost it's almost like having coaches who are smart uh coaching breakdown coaching contact area you know pete horn has come into that role for a couple of weeks and seems to have you know basically scotland in that sense looked a bit like the glasgow team we've been praising this year in terms of their smart smarts around the breakdown ability to compete at the right times, give away penalties in the right areas. It looked really positive. And, you know, it's been an Achilles heel for Scotland for so long that we always seem to... The thing for me at the weekend, we didn't double down on penalties. We Yeah, we gave away the odd penalty here. We You know, Xander was giving away the odd one in the scrum, which, rightly or wrongly, you could argue the merits of that. But we didn't seem to back up with... You know, how many times have you seen Scotland go from a scrum scrum five on the opposition, concede a penalty scrum, kick to the corner, out kick kick to the touchline, concede the ball penalty for something daft like jumping across or t- playing the arm, concede another penalty corner, and then can you know then concede the try from the mall. We didn't do that, and that even against a let's be honest, frankly, awful Welsh team. We didn't give them a chance to get in the game because we avoided that. The one time they scored was us doing that that silly thing of conceding penalties. That was all they had. It's it is interesting. We're looking at the lineup though in the Scotland team that aside from maybe what Richie Gray and Grant Gilchrist had a push, Finn possibly. Most of the I think you look across that squad, and this is a this is a squad that maybe don't have that monkey on their back of we're going to go out here and we're going to concede loads of stupid penalties. We're going to try and slow the ball down because we're going to get desperate. We're not going to win this. This is it. That this Scotland, the, the mentality of the Scotland team. And you saw, it, I think it was, it was Johnny that pointed out on, on his rewatch that Jamie Ritchie's massive grin at the end of the anthems, they were going, they knew what was happening. They knew what was coming in that game. And they went out with, not with the false confidence the Scottish teams have gone out with before, but a genuine kind of like, we know what we're doing. We know what our jobs are. We, we, we are going to be in this for 80 minutes of this game and we're probably going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, the, the, it's the one kind of big noticeable difference. I mean, we still saw in the first half, you know, them throwing passes to bits of grass and um, running up the old blind alley and stuff, you know, things that Scotland teams have been guilty of in the past. But the one thing that is new, I think, is the kind of is the mental approach and the the confidence whether that's down to our new mental skills coach or whether it's just they've finally started actually learning the lessons rather than just talking about it post match um they they just seem comfortable with whatever gets thrown at them now admittedly you know they haven't faced the, the two big teams yet Ireland may be able to throw something at them that they haven't quite figured out how to deal with yet, but they've they've been quite comfortable with what's with what's come at them so far. They've just you know they regroup. They if they, you know if they do go down a score, they just regroup and they get back on with it. But it seems like they're all kind of singing from the same team sheet. They're all yeah they they're they're quite sort of they're confident in themselves, and it's a difference between you know saying that they are and actually kind of being because we've been saying it for 
years, which is why guys like Dan Bigger come out and have a pop at it because, you know, we went one game and yes, we're here we go, boys. Grand Slam, World Cup, we're going to win it all because these players are so good. But um, the, the, it's the players themselves, of, you know, it's, that, it's the consistency. But whether we've now sort of got, I think we've got a kind of consistency on the pitch in the terms of, in terms of how we're kind of closing games out and things like that. So can we have the week to week consistency, I guess is the next thing after a two week break, can we, can we go over to France and, and put in a, some sort of performance over there? I think the key thing for me, John, the difference between the two teams and it, and it happened with about 10 minutes of, of each other. There was two, two incidents. There was the one where it was the Rio Diamis, like poor pass to Dan Bigger. Although you could argue that Dan Bigger just didn't run onto the ball as he should have done. But his reaction to, to Rio Dyer was to scream and shout at him. Yeah. Now, I think it was about 10, 10 minutes later in the game and Duhan picked up an awful ball and had to basically run it back over our own try line. And everybody's there slapping him on the back saying, yeah. well done, great D, you know, let's get up, let's go back here, yeah, don't worry about the scrum, it's no bother at all. And that, that mind shift, because you could see... You know that that's that's Sean Lamont in the backfield. He's screaming at a winger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Think of Scotland players of old. That that screaming would not have been. You know, that, but that kind of pat on the back. Don't worry about it. Even if we can see the try from here, we know we're going to get back into this game. It's fine. That's a massive mind shift. Yeah, in Scotland. They, they seemed relaxed. They seem relaxed with each other. They seem calm. Uh, like they know what they've got, they know they've got the ability to score from anywhere. They're backing themselves in terms of their defense. You know, again, you're seeing Scotland are not playing with possession at the moment. They're not. They're not. They're not dominating possession. They're strike running. Like we know, Scotland teams, the most exciting Scotland teams. The times Scotland have been successful, it's built on that that basis. That strike runner. We don't play with the ball. We back our defence to put people down, we back our breakdown, and then we play off loose ball. And we do that so well. And it is it's 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 Scotland, Scottish rugby DNA, really. And we're doing that just now so well. But the guys themselves, they all seem they seem to enjoy being around each other. I know we've we've obviously talked in the past on here about the the social media nonsense and you know the laughing and joking coming out of camp and all the ha 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 sort of stuff. It does feel like a different camp to the autumn. It feels already like just in that short space of time, there has been a shift. Yes, there's been a personnel shift. There's been, you know, different coaches in. And you can't obviously um, downplay the impact of that. I think that, you know, that, that, that could be massive. But the players that were there just seem a bit happier with each other and seem a bit happier to be there. And we're benefiting from that and that you are seeing that cohesion, that ability just to go, do you know what? It's fine. We are going to make mistakes. It's almost like the Scotland team is is Finn Russell's career in a nutshell of let's make mistakes, but let's make something blooming marvellous happen too. And oh, I see. <laughs> That's quite funny that Harley's just, Harley's just posted pretty much the same on the comments. <laughs> yeah, so Harley says the whole the whole team seems to be taking a page out of Finn's book and playing like it's just a game. Really looking forward to seeing uh, uh, up against France and Ireland. There, yep. there is a lot in that, I think, Rory. And I think I, I went, you know, watching the last two games back in particular, going back to that New Zealand game where we were two tries down within the space of, what, 10 minutes. But then to come back into that game 
in the way that Scotland did and to run the All Blacks close after being two tries down. Again, that's from a Scotland point of view, anybody, you know, we were all watching that game going, here we go. Two tries down in 10 yeah. minutes. This is going to be a long 80 minutes. Yeah, but, you're all thinking, oh, that, yeah. The, the, the sort of the game from five years earlier when they ran them close, you think, oh, that's going to be a distant memory now, isn't it? And then suddenly yeah. they were, you know, they, they were okay and they were, you know, they were building a lead. I mean, they'll probably be, you know, they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't didn't win that one. But I think we were, everyone else was kind of so surprised that they actually managed to, to get into that dominant, uh, you know, kind of half hour against the All Blacks that we, we kind of forgave them for it. But you can certainly see, I think, since probably yeah since the well since since Aaron Walsh took over in the Fiji game in the autumn it's that you know that I think the 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 attitude just seems seems to have, have changed these I don't know turned a key or something and I mean even Townsend seemed you know in his interviews and stuff he seems kind of laid back and like he's not worrying about the world and I mean for a man who's staring down the barrel of it doesn't know what he's doing at the end of, you know at the end of the year he might be out of a job and he doesn't know what he's doing he, I mean, that's one reason, I guess, to be relaxed because he just doesn't give a damn. But it, I don't get that sense. It's more like he's like, right, well, I think we've we've sort of figured some stuff out, and we we know how we want to play. We're all agreed on on playing that way, and we've got the players to do it. So we're gonna kind of give it a crack, and we're all there's no sort of reason for drama. So he, you know, why be serious about it? And and the, and again, you know, we 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 talked about the defense earlier for the Thistles game, John, but. You know the Scotland defence. I think we're you know we're a couple of seasons in now with Steve Tandy, but you know you watch them in the twenty two and you think we're going to get a turnover here. They're going to spill. They're going to cough up possession. It's not the same level of anxiety as you 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 know one one would once have. It's still there at the back of the mind. You still get kind of so it's like Pete. I don't want to diminish post traumatic stress disorder, but there's an element of that of watching it and just kind of having the flashbacks yeah. to Scotland the ball going here we go again, but. But even as a fan, you can start to feel more confident going, they're just going to soak it up for a bit. And they're quite happy. And I think there's something, they look happy soaking it up as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got the players to do that. And it is it is telling, you know, the, the personnel out there are are all very, very comfortable defending. And it's when you've got that back line, and to a lesser extent, you know, some, some, of, the, some of those forwards as well, that are so physical in defence, so able to cause havoc, you know, run, running up the 12 channel and getting hit by two poor two, no thank you, no thank you, don't fancy that. But then you're doing that and then you've got Richie's over the ball or, you know, you've, you've got so many threats in that Scotland team defensively. But it's back to what we said right at the start, it's that, that smart play, it's the they look... They look more intelligent as rugby players than they ever have done, and they seem to just—it's—it's it's just just refreshing. It's scary, refreshing because, as you say, we've all been through those moments. You know, Scotland managing in Wales to lose that that game that shall not be named. We've all been there, and at no point, even when that first half was getting tight. At no point did I think we were going to lose that game this week. At no point did I think we were going to lose the England game, even when we were behind. That's a complete mentality shift. Yeah, I, I think that's the the other mentality shift for me, Rory, was just how ruthless Scotland were in that second half. Because we've seen that in the past yeah. for Scotland. That you know, 
against other tier two sides. <laughs> Sorry, Wales. Um, <laughs> they, they just, you know, when they're when the, when when we're ahead and we're comfortable in a game, the you know the the focus goes a little bit, and it's just like you know you can see the heads are in the bar, you know, ordering their three course after meal at the at the nice dinner with all the the blazers. And that didn't happen here. I mean, the fact that you know George Horn's taking a quick tap at eighty-one minutes just for the lols. Do you know that? <laughs> well, I mean, that, you know, that's that's tournament tournament rugby. They they were they were going for the top of the table on points difference. If he, if he taps and goes and they score a try, um, it's I mean it's it's un, unreal to to see a Scotland team being in a position where they're thinking about things like points difference. I mean. It's, it's never been. I mean, I'm assuming that's what they were doing. I mean, they might have been doing it for the laugh. Who knows? Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's crazy to see um, to see a team fulfilling their potential so far. Um, there's obviously a, yeah. a couple of fairly yeah. big asterisks uh, coming up in the next sort of three weeks. I think that's a difficulty, isn't it, John? Because I'm, I'm still. I think we we we've. Got over the hoodoo with France. I think the French game is going to be interesting watching them against Ireland. I think that that well, I could see them beating this French team. I'm not saying we're going to. I just say I can see I can see a scenario see in which we yeah. beat them. I just the the Ireland game is the big one for me because you know Ireland have I, you can see where their weaknesses are, but that's a that's now you know all disrespect to England, but. England, England aren't a problem for Scotland anymore. That's that was a massive psychological block, particularly away from home for years. You know, was it eighteen years or something between, even longer? 30, you know, 38 years. Thirty eight <laughs> years. It was something for for wins at Twickenham. Yeah, and that's you know that's gone now. That you can see that that it just doesn't bother any of the Scotland players now. But the, I think Ireland particularly, and I don't know if it's a URC thing and a Pro Fourteen thing that that, that there is a bit of in the intimidation there, particularly with 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 Leinster. Yeah. That's the big hurdle, not France for me. It's it's, it's Ireland. Yeah, I think I think I, I totally agree. I think Ireland are a much better better side at this point in time. Talking about the last few months than than France. France had a lackluster autumn by their standards. Yes, they continue to win win matches, but there was plenty of matches they should have lost. Uh, and for me, this is a brilliant period in time for French rugby in that they are struggling a wee bit. They're not on form. They've got their home World Cup coming up, and it is almost a reminder to everyone, right? You need you can't just turn up in September and win this. You've got a great team. You now need to work at it. You need to make sure that your your playing systems. They're almost getting their lull in form out of the way before the World Cup. Whereas Ireland, who I love the fact they're always world number one going into a World Cup is magnificent. This is just what we wanted. This is, you know, I sat here uh, and waited for this moment. They are a very good side. They're a very good side. There is weaknesses there. And I think the the bonus Scotland have this time out is it's Ireland at home. Now, we've seen in the past, Scotland, Scotland are competitive at home. They're always competitive at home. And we could find ourselves almost getting that that monkey off our back at Murrayfield. We don't need to worry about playing them away because let's be honest, let's not even think about the World Cup just now. This is our Six Nations now. I'm not worried about France. 
And I can see the Ireland game being a really good game. Like, I, I think they're two contrasting sides and it ultimately will come down to whether Ireland are able to, I don't want to say drag Scotland to their level because that, that seems really disrespectful. But you know what I mean? Like, in terms of the type of rugby, dragging Scotland into a battle as opposed to letting Scotland play. If Scotland get ball and are able to play against Ireland, there's nothing to fear there. I don't necessarily think we're going to win, but there's nothing to fear. Yeah, it's it's in. I was looking at the stats before for the for the Wales game, and it was something like we bad passes and um, handling errors. Scotland were way way worse than Wales. Yeah, but well, no yeah. knock-ons, and the, and I think the the thing for Scotland when it comes what it comes down to, and and it's a point that Andy Andy Steele's made here is saying you know we've tried to do the fastest brand of rugby we've done the defense first rugby we've tried the kicking rugby and now we've decided to try a bit of it all and it's working and there is something funny that, that. <laughs> but underpinning, underpinning all that rory is we're we're, we're topping 90 percent tackle completion and that's that's why that it doesn't matter how good your passing is how good anything at your kicking game is if if you if you're going to drop anywhere below ninety percent in international rugby, you, you're on the back foot and you you're probably screwed unless you're having a fun game against someone like Fiji and you just want to chuck it about a bit. But but that that consisting in the last two games of we've hit over ninety percent. That that's yeah. where we need to be. Yeah, that that's exactly. And again, it's I think it's probably why we're less kind of worried. I'm not saying that we're convinced we're going to win it, but we're not worried about a collapse against France because we know that the team can play. I think it's, um, and they can play a kind of game that would compete with France. Maybe France are just a little bit, they're almost playing a similar kind of counter-attacking play it from anywhere with a defensive physicality that are maybe just, you know, a notch above Scotland potentially, but Ireland are, they're doing, they're just executing everything at a really high level. And um, it's it's hard to know. This is the thing. I mean, we don't know what our players are going to be like until they're tested against the... At the moment, we've seen them against the Tier 2 teams of England and Wales. Um, <laughs> and and they've, they've kind of had enough to, to, to cope with that. But um, it's like that. It's like that bit in, uh, in any given Sunday where Jamie Foxx is trying to trying to convince uh, Al Pacino that he should respect him and he's like but you haven't won anything yet and that's why the Irish consistently don't give us anything in terms of respect it's because we you know at the end of the day we've had we've had two good games in one six nations uh, back to back and that's pretty much all we've done other than the odd game here and there we go to France and win then that says something else. And then if we, you know, somehow run out and close or even get Ben Healy off the bench to kick a last minute penalty or something again to, to beat them, you know. I mean, would you would you take losing to Italy and France if we beat Ireland? Three no. wins? No. 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 I think for for me, I'm so I think at this stage I'd be I think we could come away if at this stage, I wouldn't take it. I think it'd be a missed opportunity, but I think losing to France and Ireland within a score and be and beasting Italy in that last yeah. game, potentially, depending on how, how the results go, 
definitely gets you third and possibly gets you squeezed into second, depending on how mm. other results go. Because you know, France have lost the game now, and, and they lost, and they didn't get a losing bonus point, which I yeah. think which I think is important. So potentially, I think if if you if we got a lose if we and this is the pessimist in me, if you pick up a losing bonus point against France and you pick up one against Ireland, there is still a chance of second for Scotland. So I think that's the challenge in the next. That's the minimum I would I would I, that for for this to be a successful tournament, the minimum I would expect is losing bonus points against France and Ireland. I'd be happy with that, given where we've been, where our base levels been. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that, I, that. I, I obviously want to win, but that's yeah. yeah. Whether that's achieved, I don't know. Yeah, it's tr- it's tricky. The 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 years of uh, disappointment have kind of tempered us into into realism it's like i used to i used to write like pseudo team talks and stuff on the blog back in the day i could never write that now because i would just get hammered by whoever it was what you know welsh or irish fans who'd read it and go oh shut up you you know you what you're basing this on um i'm I'm too grounded in reality now but it's nice to it's nice that the team have given us that that kind of uh those that kind of hope has has come back you know we're not we're not used to hope going in round three are we i think the thing do you know what i was talking i was i I was talking to a wales fan over the weekend and i said and 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 he said look it's hard to get that upset as a welsh fan and he and he met and this wasn't trolling this was a genuine point he made he said because because we've had success recently and i think that's you have to take that point that's it's a it's a valid point they've had success recently so compared to the long and tragic history of Scottish rugby, certainly over the last twenty-three <laughs> years. You know, the nineties were all were okay. If you actually look at the results, they were generally okay. We we were competitive, but from nineteen ninety from two thousand onwards, we've been pretty rubbish for the bulk of that period. So we're coming from that's our base level. So we're we're at the point of going, oh look, losing bonus points are fine at this stage because of where we are. Wales are like, do you know what? Yeah, things are pretty crap for us, but we've won some grand slams in recent memory. We've won a few championships. We're, we're, with the players that are still playing for us, we're, we're, it's not that bad. Or it doesn't feel that devastating because we've still got that in our memories. We we haven't got that. It's almost... And, I, and so I said, well, yeah, it's a bit like Wales are our Wario to our Mario, right? We're on different trajectories. <laughs> so so we're, they're, they're coming from a place where they've had grand slams and recent wins and they're on a massive downward trajectory and they're going, you know plunging all the way. But they still got the memories of things, the good times, and we are like, we remember the bad times. Things were awful, and we, we, we're surprised we're doing well. But actually, if you look at it, that's the justification for that, and we have statistically got better year on year. There is a, there is a growth, there is a kind of an upward trajectory if you map it out, and I think that's it. It's until we, and it comes back to the damn bigger point, which you know, as fun as it was to take the mick out of, is a valid point. You know, until Scotland win something and i think we have to face the fact is that as lovely as it would be for a slam or a championship this year there will always be an asterisk against it unless we back it up with another one within five years of of it and i think that's probably not you know we're not we're not big enough to do it every year but we should be competitive enough to do it every few years like wales do for example that wales were doing for example where you're there or thereabouts most year because otherwise it's just another 1990. It's you know something for documentary well, we'd makers for one to right now, but years. wouldn't we really? Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm just getting. We're, I'm we're getting so starved of it. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, we're used to these once in a you know once in a generation things, and I think uh, yeah, we, 
we'd happily happily take it. If you listen to the boomers, it wasn't once in a generation, though, was it, John? No, no, no. It was all it was all sunshine and success in Scottish rugby. Uh, for, okay. for, okay, but I mean, it's amateur rugby, but you know, yeah, I think Scotland won the Grand Slam nine hundred times out of a hundred, uh, according to the Boomers. So, I don't, I'm going to look up how often how often it was. <laughs> it was nineteen eighty four and nineteen ninety. I know that. Yeah, yeah, and there was one <laughs> in nineteen thirty six. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are the three. There's only been three Grand Slams, I think. <laughs> Glory days. Um, <laughs> Bring back rocking. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, look, we're in a good place. It's strange to be, um, you know, it's strange to be in this position of having won our first two opening games against England and Wales. And yeah. it feels strange, I think, to have have beaten Wales so convincingly. And we, 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 will, we will get on to that in in the Patreon, uh, no doubt, and and the state of Welsh rugby. Um, is there any final words from you both on on the Wales game? Or are you 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 happy to go to the Patreon? Any any final thoughts for our regular podcast listeners? Just well done. It was a joy to watch. Yeah, utterly savoured every single moment of it. It was beautiful. Yeah. But also, we should we should remember we were pretty rank in the first half. We were terrible. Yeah, we were. We were. And this so this is what, what second second game in a row where we've been we didn't we, we it's like we won but we didn't even play that well. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, restarts are still rubbish. Oh, restarts man. Oh, not as rubbish days. though. Not not as rubbish. There was two bad restarts but generally we got the ball. I think it's just it's it's that flashbacks honestly. It's just flashbacks. You think we saw, you think all the restarts were rubbish? I was watching them. There was two we messed up, but they were also due to really good kind of rush defence from Wales. So it wasn't every restart, and they didn't we didn't let them back in the game. So we shall see. Anyway, that's it from us for this week. We will be back next. Well, I won't be. The podcast will be back next week. I'm I'm I'm, I'm taking a, a week week off, but we'll be back next week to preview the France game. Might talk a bit about some some URC games this weekend. That that's happening. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk about the URC and the Patreon, John. It's fine. Um, Excellent. So we'll that'll be next Edinburgh week. Cheryl. Week after we'll um, <laughs> the week after we'll uh, do the France review. We'll build the Ireland game. We'll have all of that for you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you listen on any apps. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts um, and you've got a spare five minutes, please leave us a review. Um, obviously, we've, we've talked recently around the uh, ban on transgender rugby players um, in Scottish rugby, and that has upset a certain section of the debate who have decided to accuse us of being men's rights activists and give, leaving us one-star reviews. I think one of us even gave us two stars. I don't know. I don't know if that was just a slip of the finger if they meant it, but it's two-star reviews, awful podcast, men activists, men's activists. Anyway, if, if you do enjoy the podcast and you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be that would be lovely. It'd be very helpful to us. But for the moment, and Patreons, hang on, because we're, we're going to keep talking to you um, for another another hour or so. For the moment, for everybody else, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Rory. Goodbye. Hey, folks.